What's going on, guys? This is Passive Wealth Strategies for Busy Professionals, the show that teaches you all about passive wealth generation by investing in real estate with a special focus on strategies that work well for busy professionals. Today, our guest is Catherine Rain, and we are talking about successful real estate investing strategies that she and her clients are deploying in the Miami area and in other high-end markets. But she is a leading realtor in Florida, specifically in the Miami area. She works with many investors and invests herself in that area. And we're talking about these strategies because normally on this show, we talk about middle of the road to lower end markets that are typically considered more affordable, so to speak. Miami is an expensive high end market and typically cash flows are lower correspondingly in those high end markets. So we're learning important lessons about successful strategies that people are using in the high end market of Miami, Florida. This is super important if you're somebody who wants to go after that and you're today you're going to learn the advantages of investing in those high-end markets so it's a it's a great one i learned a lot um, my investments are all in more affordable type of markets and maybe in the future i will use some of these lessons to invest in a high-end market like miami florida for those of you who are new to the show i'm your host taylor Lote. i'm a real estate investor a real estate syndicator meaning i buy real estate with passive investors and split the returns. Happy to bring this interview to you today. Without further delay, here we go with Catherine Rain. Catherine, thank you for joining us today. Hi, my pleasure. Great to talk with you. Uh, for those out there who don't know about you and what you do, can you tell us about your business and uh, you know what you do? Okay, sure. My name is Catherine Rain. I'm from Southeast Florida. And I, uh, I'm a real estate professional. I do sell people real estate that brings them money and wealth. And I've been doing really well um, for all of my clients over the past, I would say, eight to nine years. And I do have a real estate portfolio myself that I invest in and I buy and sell real estate. Um, I think what, what makes me really unique is that I do go the extra mile for my clients and they know that I care about them. And my clients do make a lot of money with the properties that I sell them. So I'm really good with numbers. I'm good at analyzing. A lot of them have created passive wealth by buying real estate and it makes me really happy. So when my clients buy and sell properties, I always feel uh, it's, it's my own money. That's how I treat my clients as if it was my own money. And um, last year and the year before, I was the number one single agent with Keller Williams in the whole state of Florida. So I've been doing nice. really well in real estate and uh, it's just a big passion of mine. Great, that's awesome. So today I wanted to talk to you, you're in a, a higher cost market down in, in Southeast Florida. And on the show, when we talk about real estate, we typically talk about some of the lower cost markets throughout the country where price per unit are a lot lower than <laughs> The, the higher end market of yeah. Florida. And I want to get an understanding of what your clients, when they're looking for investment properties in, the, in that area, look for, what strategies they typically pursue and like who the right investor is. So, you know, let's, let's get the understanding of that. So. Sure. Okay. I mean, it depends again, like who, who the investors are and what, what, what they're looking for, right? I mean, um, we have the multifamily investors, we have the commercial investors, and then we have the people that just want to buy for really, really long term, 20, 30 years down the line. 
um, as an investment for their children so to leave a legacy to them and to leave them land. So, you know, one of the things that we look for in, in the investments that I make is mm-hmm. cash flow, where, you know, we, we buy at a price so that we're, you know, aiming to get earned cash flows. When you're buying at a very high price, you're generally not going to make any cash flow unless you're buying in cash. So, are your yeah. clients, you know, experiencing cash flow or are they really looking for that long term appreciation? And then how are they dealing with that? Um, I do have clients, most of my clients, they really do want to have cash flow. They are very focused on that. And it depends obviously on the location that you pick, if you have more cash flow or less. <laughs> and um, it also depends if you pay cash or if you, if you, if you, you know, how much you put down when you finance and your interest rate. I do have also a lot of investors, right? Recently, a, a lot of them from New York that just want to buy waterfront lands and it doesn't really matter to them how the house on the land looks like as long as it's somewhat um, somewhat rentable right mm-hmm. I mean with a few updates and might have to put 50 100,000 into it but um, they buy for the land because they bank on the land uh, going up in value because we don't have a lot of waterfront land anymore in South Florida and they bank on the land going up and those are the people that then buy as investment because they have the extra disposable income that they want to invest and put in a safe um, bank, like real estate bank account for their children. Um, the ones that are buying for investments, uh, they obviously they need an analysis. So I find them some either off market. We do a lot of multifamily is mostly off market. I did sell last year a lot of multifamily and um the ones that, that I have, for example, I had an $850,000 fourplex in Core Gables that when I sold for like eight twenty five dollars to one of my past clients, and that one generated around $8,000 income a month, but it needed, it needed some work. So if that one was already fixed up, it would have been $1.2 million. So I, I feel like he got a really good deal because it needed about $100,000 of work, but um, he got a, he, he he has really good cash flow right away and he, for him for example his parents bought it for him as an investment because right now we have very beneficial tax laws where the parents can gift their children without paying taxes on the on the gift and they saw the opportunity and took advantage of it ah uh, okay so mm-hmm. i mean taking advantage of tax law is is great that's what it's there for yeah. to be that's what it's there for yeah, that's why we why we use it. So, okay, so it sounds like this is for, that type of investing is usually for folks on the the higher end of the spectrum with more cash to invest, uh, probably higher income earners that are looking to maybe diversify their investments and and get into uh, get into real estate. And you know, is it a priority for them to to cash flow? I mean, it sounds like the kind of the land speculators if you will it really depends i mean the, it means the ones that were waterfront there i mean those houses are three four million dollars and they rent for 13 14 thousand a month so you don't talk about getting i mean if you finance those you have a really negative cash flow yeah um, but those are people that pay cash and they for them it's important that the rent covers the taxes and the insurance that's there's nothing else that comes in so they really bank on the lands but uh, for example, that young gentleman that bought with me the fourplex, he really wanted the income. So he gets every month his $8,000 
and he doesn't have to work as much anymore because he has that that passive income you know i mean you don't need to spend 800,000 you can also buy properties for 200,000 you can buy condos i just listed two condos um close to the beach and they are one just under 120,000 the other one under 130,000 you can rent them out short term and they're both rented right now at 1300 a month so those are pretty good deals too so it really depends on on what you're looking for i know some investor uh, that uh, some investors that i deal with they go cost per door that's very important to them they don't want to spend more than like 150,000 per door and and that's that's their rule um, other people look more at, um, you know, I want to have at least an income per door of 2000 because I don't want to chase someone over a $900 rent check every month. So there's really uh, different kind of investors that I'm dealing with. And it's really super important when I meet with them uh, to find out what exactly is important to them because not everybody wants to have 30 doors and 30 times collecting rent. Some people prefer to have only eight doors and more expensive properties. Absolutely. I mean, it's a completely different management problem. And you brought up something yeah. that you know, I wanted to get to was the, the short-term rental trend market, whatever, how that mm -hmm. is impacting your area and, and what folks look for when they get into uh, short-term rental. So, you know, Let's talk about that. Let's get started yes, with short-term rentals. Sure. Um, the good thing is I used to be a short-term rental agent before I got uh, into real estate. So I'm very familiar with the market. And what I have to tell you, uh, especially in Miami Beach, uh, short-term rental is in most areas illegal. And a lot of agents don't know about it or are not familiar with the rules, laws, and regulations. And I've had a lot of clients that came to me after they purchased the property that their agent had told them they can rent it short-term and then they found out they couldn't. Uh. So you have to be extremely cautious and careful and speak to someone that's really knowledgeable about the laws. So um, there is only a handful of buildings that allow short-term rentals. And if you rent short term, you also have to pay certain taxes to the city. You have to pay the hotel tax and, you know, you have to know the rules. So that is very important. And um, it, other parts of Miami, it's a little bit easier to rent it short term, like Coconut Grove. You can rent it. Cora Gables is, uh, is not, not as easy. But um, you just have to know the laws. And I do have clients all the time that call me, hey, Catherine, I want an oceanfront, one bedroom short-term rental allowed for 150,000. Honestly, I have to tell you that doesn't exist. <laughs> <laughs> so if you, if you're trying to find something like that, it's almost like finding a unicorn. And, and um, I, I've had a lot of referrals, especially from other agents from out of state, cause I do get a lot of referrals from other agents and they send me someone that has exactly those requirements. And it's, it's hard hard for me to bring those people back to reality, but I'd rather do it in the beginning than disappoint them later. Okay. So that, it's not the right fit for your market. I mean, for, for those folks, do they, yeah. do you send them to, I don't know, Fort Lauderdale or another, you know, yeah, in Fort Lauderdale, you can, well, you, you do, you can't find that in Miami beach. You just need to, you know, there's uh, just a handful of buildings and then they send me like Zillow links. They're like, what about this building? It says short term rental allowed. I said, yeah, well, the listing agent is probably not familiar with the laws. I mean, you can <laughs> buy it and then don't sue me uh, because I didn't disclose that to you. So I always make sure they have like in an email from me saying that it's not allowed. They, I mean, basically they can do whatever they want after 
that they own it. I just don't want to be liable because I don't like to lie to people. I want to give them full disclosure and I, I, uh, I want to keep them as clients. It's for me, not just one transaction, you know, it's, yeah. it's for me like a lifetime relationship with my clients. And I, I, I just, you know, it's not worth for me to get one check to, to lie to someone. I think that's, that's the good, that's a good way to look at it. Now you're talking about these, these buildings where short-term is allowed and and not allowed. You're saying laws. So is that a matter of the law or like an HOA regulation or or what is the specific restriction? Yeah, that's a good question. Well, sometimes it's both. So the HOA has their rules and then the city has their rules. So it has basically a map in Miami Beach in what areas it's allowed and it's not allowed. And even if it's in the area allowed and the HOA doesn't allow it, you can't rent it. But even if the HOA allows it and the area does not, you cannot rent it short term. So there is a, a, a bunch of buildings that are uh, all Spanish, around, especially around Lincoln Road, that have in their condo docks no uh, regulations as far as the length of rental but the area doesn't allow it. So, you know, even if you're allowed from the building, you can't rent it. And the fines are really steep on the first occurrence. I mean, I I don't want to put an amount right now because the laws might change in in the future, but it was um, five digits. So that was the first, well, I can say 22,000 is right now as of 2020, the first violation. If you get caught doing short-term rentals in an area that's not allowed. Wow, I think. And we've you know, seen people, people that rented short term being kicked out by the police. So they're being pretty strict. The city has like people that are looking at all those Airbnb ads and yeah, they've become strict because the hotels don't want to lose their clients to Airbnb rentals. And, and you know, it's, it's, it's a fine line. I can understand both sides. I went the other day to a um, chamber of commerce a meeting and it was uh, it was all about short-term rentals and it was very interesting and i think they're going to change the laws a little bit to make it a little bit more liberal but you'll have to understand both sides if somebody lives in a condo and they like to enjoy like you know uh, their privacy and their their quietness and then their next door neighbor rents their unit short term with party people you know i mean not everybody that comes to miami is partying but it can happen <laughs> yeah, if you're renting in that, uh, you're getting an Airbnb at yeah. that area. The odds but, you're partying are pretty high. Correct. But we do work with a few buildings uh, in in Fort Lauderdale. Well, there is um, especially like a, a few buildings in Holly, in the Hollywood area. And um, this is where we normally put people. Okay. So one of the things that uh, some folks do in certain areas to get around this short-term rental regulation is they limit the rentals to... 30 days and that typically when there's a short-term regulation certain areas they might say anything less than 30 days something like that yeah um, is that there's a factor way to, well you know I, I feel like if you put the 30 days it gets out of control because people get creative they put a contract in for 30 days but then they just stay a week um i think you know if you really don't want as an hoa short-term rental you should do six months or longer mm. but you know I can't take sides because I have clients on both sides. So I understand both. Um, yeah, no, I understand it's, that. It's, it's a never ending issue in Miami Beach, <laughs> a never ending discussion. <laughs> people suing the city, the, the city suing the people, you know, it's, uh, yeah. We had actually uh, one of my listings um, 
we had a tenant uh, that rented it in the past and he, the tenant then sub rented it, subletted it short term and mm -hmm. my owner got fined, but we were able to show that we had a long-term contract and I think they waived the fine, but you know, I mean, now I need to put it specifically in every lease. Although it says in the lease contract that it's not allowed to sublet it, but I put it again in bold letters. No short-term rental is allowed. If you sublet short-term, you have to pay the fine. Because, I mean, they're not, you know, normally they don't pay the fine. The owner has to pay the fine and the deposit doesn't cover it. It's $22,000. Wow. Yeah, I've met short-term rental people that they they in certain areas, they might know that there could be a fine, but they say, ah, they're not going to get me and the fine's going to be 200 bucks. So I don't care. Yeah. I don't get enough money, but 22 grand. I mean, that's enormous. Yeah, that's why they increased it. But to speak about something positive, because I don't want to sure. like focus yeah. on, the, on the fines. And I, there is a few really cool buildings. Um, one of my clients bought one, uh, one bedroom, uh, two blocks from the beach. And I think he, he bought it um, for like 185,000 a few years back. And he gets like five, six thousand a month in rental income. That's wow. really incredible. And then I had those uh, units in Edgewater, which is just on the bay side of Miami. And the one bedrooms would rent at five, six thousand a month. And they were only to purchase, they were like two fifty. So really good price. I'm honestly I'm honestly surprised. I mean, it sounds like there are more cash flowing opportunities there than I had expected. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, you just need to look. You know, the, you can find a good opportunity in any market. That is the way to look at it. I also wanted to ask you uh, while we're here, you know, we're in a, right now we're recording this in, in April of 2020 during the coronavirus shutdown yeah. and everything. And, you know, in most areas, let's be real, we're going to see an impact on real estate, unfortunately. What are you expecting and what are folks expecting in Miami, you know, to change over the next uh, couple months to a year? Okay. Well, this is just my personal opinion. I have sure. to say that uh, this is not like an advice because I don't want to get sued by people by putting my opinion out there. Sufficiently um, disclaimed. I <laughs> so I feel um, I'm really busy. I, 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 you know, I, I slowed down in the beginning a tiny little bit, but I sold last week four houses. Um, I got today two more listings. I got over this last month, like probably 10 listings. I got several properties on the contract. I um, really, um, I really uh, fine tuned my video skills. Like I have a lot of um, virtual open houses going on, mm. and I, I, I'm very successful with it. Like people can look at the properties from their couch, and people love it. And I, I kind of uh, changed their mindset. I'm really proud of that. Uh, I feel that. It depends how long this all takes, right? I, I think we're going to be out of this pretty soon. So I feel a lot of agents have gotten out of business at that time because they need to find a real job they can't <laughs> afford to. So I'm, I'm, I'm glad about that because, you know, uh, I can gain more market share and all the mom and pop shops, the people that sell like two houses a year, they're probably going to go back to, I don't know, selling furniture or working where they were working before. And um, as far as interest, I do have a lot of buyers right now that are looking and the inventory is extremely low for whatever reason. Some sellers think that it's not a good time to list and they're holding off. And I think it's like, 
it's not the smartest thing to do because right now people are looking and there is serious buyers out there because who would look right now? Only the people that have to move. So oh, by yeah. being right now on the market, you have a huge advantage because it's not a lot of inventory. I, I made an offer the other day on a $2 million house with my buyers. They had five offers in two wow. days and my people were paying cash and we didn't get the house. So, and I can't find anything else for them, nothing on the market. So I started looking off market. It's, it's just crazy. Um, I think that a lot of buyers are just waiting for more inventory. And once this is over, there is going to be a lot of inventory on the market too, and a lot of buyers. So it might get a little bit crazy. I think it's actually gonna be heating up the market. I, I don't think it will affect our market much, to be honest with you. The only thing that I think will be affected is the condo market. Because after this, I don't think a lot of people would want to be in a condo anymore. You oh, yeah, I mean? due to proximity to other people. I've had a lot of people that lived in condos find, uh, I found them a single family house during this time to rent because they didn't want to be in a condo. So the condo market might be a little bit affected, but single family, I think it's going to be hot. And that's just my opinion. I'm prepared. I'm prepared to take market share. I, I see this as a huge opportunity for someone that that is out there, and I'm just trying to keep my clients posted on what's happening in the in the market. I do weekly um, market stat videos, and uh, I can't wait for for this to be over and get rock and rolling. Nice. I love that mentality. I love your mindset. That's great. Yeah. And you know, I hope we do get out of this before anything bad happens, but it sounds like nothing bad's happening yet. So that's definitely. Well, besides all the people dying, well, which is a really sad I should side say effect. the real estate market is what I mean. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Honestly, if it wasn't for, for the sad reason, we have this kind of lockdown right now. Uh, I, I, I love this right now because I did this past week in nine, eight or nine open houses and I didn't go to any property. I, it was all virtual. Wow. And it's just very time-saving. So I, I find this very efficient. <laughs> nice. Nice. I like that. Right now, we're going to take a quick break for our sponsor. All right, Catherine, I've got three questions I ask every guest on the show. Are you ready? Yes, sure. Great. First one, what is the best investment you ever made other than in your education? Other than in my education. That's the, that's the, the <laughs> asterisk. So I can't, I can't say real, uh, getting into real estate. We'll take that answer, get into real estate, oh, but okay. how? I uh, had a real estate agent that told me, Catherine, you're so smart and good with numbers. You should get into real estate. And I'm like, real estate? Sounded to me like the most boring thing ever. And uh, I'm glad I did it because I started to really absolutely love it. And I think yeah. the investment aspect, if it's a property that I'm looking for myself for or for my clients, that gives me a lot of pleasure. Like I look at the numbers and can tell you within five seconds if it's a good investment or not. And I just love that. <laughs> and then if you, if you like, if you, I mean, like real estate is kind of a, um, something that has to do with education, but I got really lucky because I uh, started right away at Keller Williams and I feel um, the company has provided us not just with tools, how to sell real estate, but also how to get passive wealth and how to acquire it and how to keep it. 
and they really emphasize that a lot since I started and I don't think I would be where I'm at right now um, I mean I came to this country with $700 in my pocket and now I could already retire just from the passive income I'm getting from my rental properties if I wanted to but I don't want to so um, it has given me a huge opportunity and I feel it's really hard to find a company that is you know so interested in having their agents being wealthy and i saw that even more now during the crisis with all the things that they offered it was really phenomenal so i got really lucky to to um align myself with the right company and then as far as investments since we're talking about real estate i, I own one of my uh, properties i got it a really really good deal i feel i was like listed below um, market value and my husband always sees those deals because, you know, I don't have time for my own deals. I care about everyone else, but not us. So my husband always <laughs> said, I'm the worst agent on our own deals. So he found this property and it was a hot property. They had a lot of offers on it and we put in a cash offer and uh, bought it on a hard money loan. But we refinanced it four months later and it appraised for 50% more. So nice. I got a really good deal. And then the tenants lease was up, so we were able to raise the rent. So we have a 13% return on it, and the lease goes up every year by, uh, I forgot, 2 or 5%. We have like a several-year lease. It's a commercial property. So that is one of my best assets. And after I got that, I got rid of a few other ones, and I'm in the process of um, finding different properties that give me a better return. Like one of my single-family homes right now. I'm closing on it in a week. Cause I have like 300,000 equity in it and it gives me zero return. Like the mortgage oh, wow. is 3,500 and rent is 3,500. So it doesn't make any sense to keep it. So I'm looking for a different kind of investment. So I do that every few years. Just keep repositioning. I like it. Yeah. On the other side of that, we had the best investments. What is the worst investment you ever made? Uh, I, I, uh, I bought a flip. <laughs> At a good price, I think we bought it at five twenty. Sold it at nine twenty. Four hundred thousand more. Whoa. But I uh, partnered up with someone that I barely knew, and there was supposed to be a general contractor. And I did not keep an eye on the expenses. His budget was eighty thousand, and he spent he spent everything. So we closed on it with zero profit, and that has taught me a. Um, to be very careful who I partner up with, extremely careful, not just some stranger from the street. And be to, I really, if I do that, I need to be 100% in and watching the expenses because I just trust it too much. And it just, I mean, I didn't lose. So that's a, a huge blessing. I didn't lose and I learned a lot during the process, but we put like so much work into this property and walked away with nothing. <laughs> Ouch. That hurts you you yeah. walked away with nothing and lost time and but learned yeah. a lesson so there's some yeah, that happens i mean i didn't lose so that's for me a positive thing it was a learning process <laughs> yeah absolutely my favorite question here at the end of the show is what is the most important lesson that you've learned in business and investing location is extremely important I feel sometimes it's worth to spend 20% more on a property just because the location is phenomenal or A plus, even if the return is a little bit lower, even if the rents are a little bit lower, or if the property needs a little bit of work, because you can change a lot of things on a property, but you can't change the location. 
And I've always bought in prime location and I don't regret ever buying in prime location. And I know a lot of people, they, they want their 10% return. And uh, I'm just not a person that wants to collect their rent with a gun. And in Miami, in Miami you have to, if, if you want a 10% return, you are, you have to be extreme. Like I couldn't go to collect the rent. I would have to hire someone and uh, I'd rather have a little bit of a lower return and be in a prime location. And, um, and I feel on a long term, it's, it's, it's the best. And then the other thing, um, the other thing that I've learned is you can, you can be somewhere in five years investment wise, like you never imagined. Like I could have never thought that when I started my first property about in 2012 and I, I never imagined having so much wealth through real estate. It's just one step at a time and you can do it. You don't need to have like crazy income. You just need to be really resourceful. You need to be frugal, skip vacations for a few years and put it towards a down payment and you just do it piece by piece. And once you have more equity in property, you can cash out buy another property. Um, and I feel by being in the business, I've, I, and by being with the right company, I've, I've really learned how to do that. And that's a huge blessing. I, I don't know what I would do in life without this knowledge now. I'm really grateful. Great. Well, I appreciate everything today. Teach us about your market and the strategies your investors use and many of your experiences. If folks want to learn more about you and they want to get in touch, where can they find you? Yeah, I'm everywhere. If you Google me, there's a lot of my videos. I have a YouTube channel, uh, Beautiful Miami. My website, Beautiful Miami. Oh, this side. No, this side. Okay. <laughs> this side. Um, on my website, I you know, my email is buymiamiwithme at gmail.com. But um, if you just Google my name, Catherine Rain, I'm all over the place. I'm, I'm also on Facebook. Just reach out if you have any questions. Um, I'm always happy to help others and to mastermind and connect other people. And I'm here. Nice. Well, I appreciate it once again, all the lessons. And thanks for sharing your information. And if folks want to get in touch, they definitely should. And, and thank you for joining us today. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Great to talk with you. For those of you out there tuning in, thank you for listening. If you're enjoying this show, please leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. It's a very big help and helps other people learn about the show. If you know anyone who could use a little bit more passive wealth in their lives, please share the show with them and bring them into the tribe. Thank you for tuning in once again. I hope you have a great rest of your day and a great week. We'll talk to you on the next one. Bye-bye.